lawbreakers and thieves for the worthless the least you have said that our judgment is dead for all eternity without
Fixed his loving eyes on me as near his cross I stood. And never till my dying breath will I forget It seemed to charge me with his death. Who not a word he My conscience felt and don't me in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. But with a second look he said, I freely on me.
perfect love God condemned our race for all in Adam fell but the righteousness of God appeared and the world found hope again for the righteous one has come down to bear all the curse of sin and death now to him
flooding eyes on me as near his cross I stood and never till my dying breath will I forget it seemed to charge me with his death who not over his my conscience felt and don't me in despair I saw my sins his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there but with a second look he said I freely Thank you.
Check, check. Check, mic check, check.
Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good morning. Good morning. All right. All right. Well, welcome to Cottonwood Bible Church. We're going to get things kicked off here today. Um, if you are visiting with us today, we'd appreciate it if you'd fill out that uh, little card in the back of the chair in front of you, and uh, please place that in the offering plate and nothing else. Um, what we're going to do here is go through just a couple of announcements. Let's see here. So we've had our um, 915 Bible study and uh, Sunday school and our snack fellowship already. If you were unable to make it today, please come and join us next week. It's uh, at the same time there. Um, and on Wednesday nights, we've got our Gospel Care Community Group like we do every week. Um, that starts at 6. And so speaking of that, um, the next two Wednesday care groups, they are going to focus on relationship building through just conversations and um, also through games, and then after that we'll get back into the study that we've been doing there. Um, also, we have next Sunday a fellowship meal that will follow the service, so just bring your favorite meal to share with everybody, and uh, we'll, we'll enjoy that together. And then also we have a youth night at uh, my house, a youth and parent night at uh, the Huff's house here on the 19th, so that's Friday. So uh, everybody just bring a snack that you want to share, and uh, we'll have a blast there as well. Okay? I think that's all I have. Did you get nervous there, Jordan? Not at all, not at all. Oh, he's just the NKOTB. I did it like a couple of times when I was gone. Yeah, that's right. And you're back now, so. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? No, you're not done. You've just begun. Oh, do you know you're preaching also? Yeah, let me go grab my notes. There you go. Good man, good man. 
<laughs> so we got these things. That, and, and so this, the, these are next two Wednesdays. We're doing that relationship building night. So just to come, we'll eat together and just uh, really try and, and build some good connections with each other on those Wednesday, uh, these two Wednesday nights coming up. Uh, other thing I want to make mention, it's a big old blurb there in your bulletin in reference to the ESL, English as a second language, uh, two aspects to this announcement. First, there's some training that's taking place if you want to or have a desire to uh, have some training in terms of uh, how to uh, teach someone who's in an ESL class. Uh, you can go to the training. The training that they have there is in Prescott, Willow Hills Baptist Church is where they're having the training. Is that August 20th? Is that right on that? 19th and 20th, okay. So it's, I think that's Friday, yeah, it's Friday and Saturday. So um, if you want some training in that, you can make a note in your, uh, on your phones or on your little calendars there. Excuse me, the 19th and 20th at Friday and also Saturday. Uh, also, the second aspect to that announcement is um, uh, the ESL class that's here. Uh, that we have here on, on our church campus, that's going to begin Thursday, August 25th. So you know that uh, uh, Elaine Guyman, she's been overseeing that. Daniel has been helping out with that and teaching. Uh, my mom has been a part of that here and, and there as well. Um, if you have a desire to minister in that way, um, yeah, feel free. Actually, you can speak with me this Sunday because I know Ward is here. Daniel is there uh, at at home helping out his mom. So talk with me about that and I'll get that information, Daniel. Or you can even, uh, if you have Daniel's cell phone, you can send him a message, text message. You can give him a call and let him know. Uh, do either or, that's fine. But if you want to be uh, serving in this way, uh, uh, let us know. Again, it starts Thursday, uh, this month, August 25th. They meet from, which it's in the bulletin, right? 6.30 to 8.30? Is that, is that in the bulletin? Just want to make sure that, that those times are there. No, it's not 6 to 8. It's 6.30 to 8.30. It's not 6 to 8. 6.30 to 8.30. So uh, you can scratch that in your, your bulletins there, 6.30 to 8.30. Um, but, and so again, if you want to be able to be a part of that and, and just come, and you can come and just check it out if you want. You can come and just watch kind of what they're doing. Uh, I think uh, the class... The year before that got really small, but then it got back to about 10 to 15 people, if my memory serves me correct. Uh, do you remember what that was? Is Mike correct? About 10, 15, oh, 10 to 15 people. So, yeah, it's a great time to be able to minister to people in that way. They're uh, of Hispanic origin, and most of them are. Um, so again, uh, you make a note to yourself there, Thursday, August 25th, the ESL classes meeting here. It will begin once again every week on Thursdays from 6.30 8.30. A couple other things I'd like to make mention. Uh, with, I've had two classes on um, uh, the ABCs of CBC, uh, the basics of Cottonwood Bible Church. Uh, you just basically we tell you this is kind of where we're at as a church and what we're all about. Our main three documents is our statement of faith, our church covenant, and our constitution. Um, so we, ca we go through that. And uh, So if you want to be a part of that, want to know more about uh, Cottonwood Bible Church, you can speak with me about that. Or even if you have not been baptized by immersion and you see your need to be baptized by immersion, uh, talk with me about that and we can see how we can set that up. Uh, and the last thing I want to make mention 
is the gospel. We want to be a church that centers, that uh, is focused upon, centers, focused upon, and is driven by the gospel. The life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Repent and trust in him alone. That is the gospel. So we want to be a church that focuses on the gospel. And if you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus. You don't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You've never heard of how to become a Christian. You can speak with any member here or feel free after a service to talk with me about becoming a Christian. I'll be there in the lobby. Feel free to speak with me about that. Okay? Well, those are our announcements. Uh, anything else, Jordan, that you wanted to make mention? <laughs> okay, you're good. <laughs> Great. I believe our time, next thing that we have is our prayer of praise and confession. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for allowing us to meet together in your name today. I pray, that you would, I pray that you would bless our time. We as your church confess that we all too often misrepresent you. We confess that we do not live out the gospel in our lives as we ought to. We do not try our best to love each other or to hold ourselves or each other accountable. Thank you, God, and we praise you because you offer us grace and mercy. We praise you because without you and your blood atonement for sin... We are nothing but filthy, hell-deserving sinners. Thank you for your grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ and your death upon the cross. You lived the perfect life we can never live, died the death we deserve to die, and you rose from the grave, symbolizing your great power over death and that we too might rise from the ashes of our old sinful selves. Lord, cover this church, your church, with your blood. Remind us of the gospel always that we may do the same for each other. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. What am I God? What am I God? Ordains his rights, his holy will abideth. I will be still, whate'er he doth, and follow where he guideth. He is my God, though dark my road, he holds me that I shall not fall. And so to him I leave it all. He holds me that I shall not fall. Whate'er my God ordains his rights, he never will deceive me. He leads me by the proper path. I know he will not leave me. I take content what he has sent. His hand can turn my griefs away. And patiently I wait his day. His hand can turn my griefs away. What 
my God ordains his rights, though now this cup in drinking may bitter seem to my faint heart. I take it all unshrinking. My God is true, each morn anew, sweet comfort yet shall fill my heart. And pain and sorrow shall depart. Sweet comfort yet shall fill my heart. Let's stand together. Whatever my God ordains is right, here shall my stand be taken. Though sorrow need or death be mine, yet am I not forsaken. My Father's care is round me there. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to Him I leave it all. He holds me that I shall not fall. He is my God, though dark my road. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to Him I leave it all. He holds me that I shall not fall. Let's read together James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete Lacking nothing. God moves in a mysterious way, His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps in the sea. And rides upon the storm Deep in his dark and hidden minds With never failing skill He fashions all his bright designs And works his sovereign will So God we trust in you oh God we trust in you oh fearful saints new courage take the clouds that you now dread are big with mercy and will break 
and blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. So God, we trust in You. God, we trust in you. When tears are great and comforts few, we hope in mercies ever new. We trust in you. God's purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err, and scan His work in vain. God is His own interpreter, and He will make it plain. So God, we trust in You. Oh God, we trust in You. When tears are great and comforts you, we hope in mercies ever new. We trust in you. So God, we trust in you. Oh God, we trust in you. When tears are great and comforts you, we hope in mercies ever new. We trust in you. Trials come no longer fear, for in the pain our God draws near to fire a faith worth more than gold. And there His faithfulness is told, and there His faithfulness is told. Within the night I know your peace. The breath of God brings strength to me. And new each morning mercies flow. 
As treasures of the darkness grow, as treasures of the darkness grow, I turn to wisdom not my own. For every battle you have known, my confidence will rest in you. Your love endures, your ways are good. Your love endures, your ways are good. so thankful, faithful Father, gracious Father. Can we say that? Can we say thank you for the fire of trials? Which fires a trust in you that is, it is worth so much more than pure gold. We want to trust you, love you, worship you, be devoted to you, honor you, and praise you. Thank you for rescuing us from the bondage of sin, from the evil one, through the person and work of your eternal Son. Saving us, it shows your great mercy and mercy continues as we face the trials of this life we pray for Judy Hopkins may she continue to make the Lord Jesus her trust may she delight to do your will Father just like your son Jesus Christ May she praise and thank you for your faithfulness, righteousness, mercy, and steadfast love towards her and the Lord Jesus. Preserve her in your love and your truth. Encourage her of forgiveness in your son. We pray she will enjoy 
her time with her daughter Tina. And we pray that Tina, actually, we pray that Judy's, both of Judy's daughters, they'll respond to the gospel. They'll turn and put their trust in Jesus Christ alone. We pray for Mile High Fellowship in Prescott. Remind them of the deliverance they have in your son. Remind them from your word that you help your people. Give them great joy as they seek you, knowing that they are afflicted, needing and helpless without you. Thank you. Thank you that you will not delay your grace. We pray for Steve, their pastor. He needs your physical strength. He needs your wisdom and your enabling power to shepherd your people in this church. Give him your love, to love your people. And Father, we are a people. We are a church that has a heart for the world. We long to see more people respond to the gospel. And we turn our hearts towards Canada, north of us. So close and yet, pluralism, secularism, a growing number of non-religious people, decline of morals, the few evangelicals, the gospels viewed negatively, especially in Quebec. Nominalism of indigenous people, poverty, drugs, alcohol. Our hearts grieve. And yet we find hope in the gospel. Hope in the gospel to free those in substance abuse. We pray you will bring the pure gospel to bear upon your people so they would have strong, healthy, gospel-centered churches that she would bring such unity in the gospel. There's unity in Christ. There's unity in the gospel. There's unity in your grace among all the different ethnicities that it would stand as a testimony to Canada, which has such multiple ethnicities there in this country. That there would be a marked change of life among your people. So that they would minister, serve, and reach out to each other and to those around them proclaiming the gospel so as to bring missions that evangelize and plant new churches help our brethren to be strong we pray for the different people groups the Inuits the indigenous people groups the Chinese the South Asians the Muslims the Hundreds upon hundreds of immigrants flowing into Canada. We pray for the gospel to reach them. And that your people would have not just a heart for each other, but for the world that is coming to them. Do a great mighty work in the country of Canada. And for us who are here together, help us to see things through the eyes of faith, eternity, Enjoy in our Savior. And we pray this in His name. Amen. Please be seated.
if you would please take your Bibles and go to 1 Peter or 1 Peter chapter 1 if you're visiting with us you can pull out that black Bible in the chair in front of you go towards the back of that and go to page 180 180 you'll find 1 Peter chapter 1 we're going to do verses 3 through 9 this morning First Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9 and I will read the passage and then we'll dive in <clears throat> excuse me again page 180 in that black Bible <clears throat> start actually in verse 1 if I could <clears throat> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead unto an inheritance imperishable undefiled and unfading reserved in heaven for you who are protected in the power of God through trust unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time in this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while since it is necessary you've been distressed by various trials that the proof of your trust more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ and though you have not seen him you love him and though you do not see him now but because you believe in him you greatly rejoice with inexpressible and, and glorious joy obtained as the outcome of your trust the salvation of your souls I was remembered the first time I got glasses I'm not sure of my age I think like 17, 18, 19 years old but it's one of those things where you keep getting a headache and you can't see far away, right? And then when you first get your glasses, you put them on. Wow, look, I can see. You can actually see depth perceptions. I mean, you couldn't tell. If you wear glasses, you probably remember that when you first... Yeah, there's Dave doing, cleaning his glasses. That's good. Now you can see me. Maybe you've got to clean your glasses right now, huh? Do you remember for the first time? What? Oh, there I am. For the first time you get glasses, you can see. When you get contacts, the other thing that happens, you get peripheral vision. And that's even more amazing. For those of you who are older, imagine getting your vision completely corrected. Imagine someone, maybe you or maybe someone that you know, has macular degeneration. Can you imagine 
if there is something that could be done and it completely heals the person's vision. Can you imagine that? The person would be able to see. They would, Whoa, look at that. I can see. Last week, I brought up the main point to Peter's letter. By God's grace, be wise, winsome weirdos in a wicked world. But how do we do this? How can we be this? Well, you need the right glasses. You need the right outlook. You need to put the glasses on. But the thing is, those glasses will never come off. Because what we need here, friends, we need a trusting, eternal, joyful outlook on life. The only way we will be able to be wise in the way that we live, attractive in the way that we live, odd by others, by the way that we live in this wicked world, is when, when, when we have this right outlook, a trusting, eternal, joyful outlook. It's necessary. It has to happen. This must happen. God graciously empowers us to live drastically different lives from this world. He empowers us by His grace to live righteously in an unrighteous world. We can live under the most intense and painful pressure and suffering because of the empowering work of His mercy. And the only way you can do that is if you're trusting, you have an eternal perspective, and there's joy. Let me split that up for you. Trusting, because God knows what He's doing. In the passage today, four different times you will see the word trust. And I translate it for you. I think some of your versions have faith, and I'm just using the word trust. Trust, faith, same thing. Four different times in these verses, Peter uses the word trust. And if you want to couple the word love with trust, which you can grammatically, which we'll look at that in a moment, you can actually even say five times. Trusting. Second, eternal, because it's not simply about this life. Six different times in our passage... Peter refers to the end time or the eternal state or last things six times in these few verses. Four, even five different times trust. Six different times things about eternity. And the third word joyful. Joyful because of Jesus and the victory to come. Three different times he uses the word joy. I think Peter's trying to tell us something about trusting God, about having an eternal perspective, about our joy in Christ. He's trying to tell us something. Trusting 
Because God knows what He's doing. Eternal. Because friends, it's not simply about this life. Joyful. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ and the victory that's going to come in Him. And the hinge upon this need that we have the hinge it lies in God doing something in your heart and life the only way we can have this outlook is by the new birth the only way you can think this way and live this way so that way you stand out as odd you're a weirdo and yet your life displays wisdom and yet your life is attractive God has to do a work in your heart it's the work of regeneration notice how Peter begins verse 3 blessed or praise thanks be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ notice first the Father is God being of the Godhead. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. God the Father is certainly worthy of our praise, especially for what He has done for us in and through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And may I just say, we believe the Father is God and Jesus is God, the eternal Son of God. <clears throat> This is diametrically opposed to the teaching of Mormonism. Diametrically opposed to that. Mormonism has many gods. There's one God, three distinct persons. Here we see two, the Father and the Son. So what did the Father do? What did He do? He caused us to be born again and the basis of it being His mercy. Notice, look at the text. Who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again. Mercy is the basis of this. Mercy is not receiving what you truly do deserve. We should be condemned. God does not do that. He shows mercy. What he does, he regenerates, he brings about the new birth. You're born again. And the basis of that is him being merciful. God showed us mercy by regenerating us. What is regeneration? What is the new birth? What's this whole thing about born again? Then uh, football games, John 3, 3, be born again. What does that mean? It means you stand at a football game with a sign. That's what that means. No, that's not what that means. Regeneration or the new birth. An instantaneous, monergistic, monergistic meaning mono, one, ergistic energy or work. Monergistic act of God whereby he changes a person's nature which at once affects the person intellectually, emotionally, and morally. It gives birth to a life that moves in a Godward direction so that the person willingly runs into the arms of Jesus for salvation. That's regeneration. That's how we can define it. God does this work, not us. 
You don't work with God. You don't cooperate with God. Notice it says, Who? The Father, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. He's the one who did it. He's the one who acted. He does this work in us. He infects and affects our wills, our affections, our minds. They're turned towards Him. And immediately, giving us faith, we repent and trust in Jesus Christ alone. This is the beginning of the radical change of conversion. Titus chapter 3 verse 5, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done, but by the renewing, the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. That's what God does. The Father did this. So this is the action. This is what happens. So all of what Peter is about to tell us, it hinges upon this statement. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, you have the ability to trust God, to have an eternal perspective, right? You have the ability to trust God, to have an eternal perspective, and have such joy in your Savior. You, it's all there. You have it. Act on it. It's all there for you. Because notice what Peter says. He says, who's caused us to be born again, and then he's going to give us a threefold result. I'll put it up here on the screen for you. When God does the work of regeneration or the rebirth, the result is threefold, not three separate results. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what Peter's doing. But three ways to describe the same thing. A living, vibrant hope, an inheritance, a salvation, or salvation. It's three ways to describe the same thing. And as I read the text to you, I read it from how I remembered it from the Greek. Unto a living hope. Unto an inheritance. Unto a salvation. So when God does His work, the first result that you have is a living or a vibrant hope, notice, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hope. Not wish. I hope it doesn't rain when I'm coming out of this church service this morning so it doesn't ruin my hair. My hair. It took me a long time to do my hair this morning. Don't laugh. Mockers. Not simply a wish. That's what we say. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. No. It's not a wish. It's truth. It's real. It's fact. A living fact. And isn't that good to have? That's needed for those of you who can't see past your intense pain right now. For those of you who can't see past your hurt. For those of you who can't see past the dark clouds of your suffering right now. Is that not what we need? Hope? You want to give it up? You want to throw in the towel? You want to say, I'm done. 
That's why the term hope, we could even say it's similar to the word trust. Now we have hope. When regeneration happens, there's hope. Uh, are you weighed down with discouragement and doubt, dear Christian? Are the doubt, dark clouds of suffering like the clouds of the monsoon season? Are they bringing you grief? When those dark clouds come in from Flagstaff, you see, here it comes. Are those dark clouds coming in and they bring you doubt? We as Christians share in this new life right now. You now have hope. And, and, and notice, how does Jesus, or how does the Father bring this hope how is it made possible? It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The means of it. His true physical resurrection. It makes this hope possible. I have such hope because of His resurrection. I look to the past and I have such hope. Only Jesus' resurrection can make this possible. There's no other way. Regeneration's purpose is a living hope based on mercy and Jesus' resurrection is the guarantee of our own resurrection. What hope we have. Notice how he further defines the hope. What is another result to try and, and show the result of, of this regenerating work of God? There's living hope and then second, an inheritance. And notice how he describes the inheritance from the passage there in verse 4. Unto an inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Imperishable, death cannot ravage it. Undefiled, evil cannot stain it. And unfading, time cannot age it. How would you like to have a house like that? But you do, you have it. It's now. Just like you have hope... Uh, inheritance is another way to describe the hope. It does not rot. It is morally pure. It does not become old. We look forward to a better lasting country. Way better than the United States of America. We are in a fatherly loving relationship with God the Father. And thus, we inherit this blessing from our loving, merciful Father. We have an eternal view. Notice, here's the first time he's talking about the future. Here's the first time he starts talking about the future, an inheritance. And he says, it's reserved in heaven for you. A future outlook, God's promise. Look, people may ridicule us, mock us, hurt us, slander us, but they will never be able to deprive us of our relationship with the Father and the inheritance we will receive because of our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They cannot take that from us. And that's something we have right now. Oh, and speaking of us, verse 5, reserved in heaven for you, who... You who are protected in the power of God through faith or through trust. 
We are guarded in God's protection. That is, the word means a fortress, a military camp, or like some defended by a garrison. It's strong. It's impenetrable. God's protection is like that. And all these blessings that God the Father has in store for us, His children, notice it's appropriated through our trust in Him. In other words, God's power guards us through our trust in Him. The means God uses to guard us as His people is our trust. As one writer says, quote, God is continually using His power to guard His people by means of their faith. As we trust in the Lord, we will experience His great power of protection. Not in, this, not in the sense of not experiencing suffering. That's not what we're talking about here. But in the sense that it's all in God's plan and you will be able to endure. So God guarantees His protection in His power through our trust or through our faith, steadfast, unswerving trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You pick that up from verse 8. He talks about trusting in Jesus Christ, which we'll see that in a moment. So notice how Peter is building this up. Regeneration resulting in living hope. Another way to describe that. Inheritance. And now here in verse 5, another way to describe that unto <clears throat> salvation. Unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. <clears throat> the final complete fulfillment of our salvation in the future. In the last time, this refers to a specific time, the end time, or when Jesus Christ returns, this salvation will be revealed. We as Christians have now been born again. Yes, but we wait for our future salvation. Again, the eternal outlook, this is what we must have in this life. We're thinking future. We're thinking about the future, what God's going to do in the future. The comforting, assuring truth is our salvation has been prepared for us by our Lord through His atoning work for us on the cross. That's what, how one writer put it. His ministry, His life, His death, His resurrection, it made this all possible. And then notice what He does here in verse 6. In this, in what? I think all these commentaries, oh, it talks about this, oh, it talks about that. They all go back and forth. And few of them landed here. That's where I landed. Where? Grammatically, I believe this connects with the last time. So he says, to be revealed in the last time, in this, the last time, you greatly rejoice. In other words, because of the coming last time, believers are full of joy. 
Here's the first time you see the word joy. We can rejoice in the present time during suffering because of what God will do for us in the future. We have joy because of future grace. We have joy because of future grace. Even though now, for a little while, since it is necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, tribulations. Even though now, for a little while since it is necessary, they were experiencing grief or emotional pain, maybe even physical pain. Peter will bring up later in his book, in his letter, the fact that they faced slander and verbal abuse. And notice these griefs or, or these sufferings, they're various, many faceted, they're different. As we live this life different from the culture of our world, they will malign us trying to cause us to lose our hope and our trust, won't they? They will think us odd and want to destroy what God has made. And yet Peter's here trying to remind us, remember, suffering is short compared with eternal salvation. Even though now, uh, for a little while, since it is necessary, wait, back up. Since it is necessary? What's he saying here? That's the Greek word day. Remember that? D-E-I, delta, epsilon, iota. It is necessary. It must happen. What must happen? Suffering? Suffering must happen? Why is suffering necessary though? First, it goes back to God's sovereign will. His perfect, infinitely wise purpose for us. God's plan and God's purpose is not arbitrary. He doesn't just go, oh, I'm going to do this. He doesn't do that. It's all according to His perfect plan so He would get the most glory. So there's the first thing to why it's necessary for us to suffer. But there's something else He mentions here too. Verse 7, that the proof of your trust, more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire. In order that, or the purpose of this, is the genuineness of our trust, or the, as one writer puts it, the sterling quality of our trust in Jesus Christ. How authentic is it? How real is it? And it's not that God doesn't know. Hmm, I wonder, I don't know. Hmm, not sure about that. It's not that God, God knows that. It's for us, right? Our trust, he says, Peter says, is more precious than gold. Gold which perishes. Genuine trust is more precious than gold because gold is perishable. I mean, imagine if I had a big chunk, big rock, this big of gold. All of you would be salivating right now. 
Because I'd have, oh, I don't know, what, $150,000 in my hand or something like that? I mean, just this rock. Gold, that's how precious it is. It's the, one of the most precious commodities that we have in our world. And Peter says that stuff is perishable. And trust must be refined and tested like gold. How is it tested, he says? Even though tested by fire. You don't know how they do it. They, they heat it up, white, white, hot, heat up the gold, and then the impurities, they rise to the top and they skim off those impurities, and there you have the real deal. As gold is heated and tested, God refines and purifies the trust of His people, burning away the impurities in our trust in Him. What is left is pure, solid gold. What is left is pure, solid trust. And is not trust more precious to God? Isn't it true that God loves it when you delight in Him? Isn't it true that God loves and delights in you trusting in Him? He loves that because it shows that you're saying, I can't do this, right? I trust you. So God, we trust in you. Oh God, we trust in you. There's a method to my madness for us singing those songs this morning. What is most precious and most pure in God's sight is when we humble ourselves in the midst of suffering and simply trust Him. Are you here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you are not trusting Jesus Christ? You need to repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ alone. The gospel message is for you. And yet the gospel message is for all of us, is it not? Do we not continue, should we not continue to trust God? And that's what he's doing. Peter's building this up. Regeneration takes place. There's living hope and inheritance, salvation. And you can rejoice when it does salvation. It's going to be revealed the last time. So you're rejoicing the last time it's coming. Even though you're facing all these trials right now. And, and notice what he says here. As God is testing our faith. As God is testing our faith. Our trust in him. That it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does he mean? We're going to give God praise, right? I mean, I'm planning on it. Hopefully you are. We're going to give God glory, right? We're going to give God the honor, right? But you know what? Peter's not talking about that here. Peter is not talking about that right here. Here's the catch. God the Father 
will bestow us with praise, glory, and honor. God will vindicate the trust of His people. God will reward you. That's what Peter's saying. God's going to give such praise of your trust, such glory of your trust, and the honor of you trusting in Him. Us? Yeah. That's what God is going to do. That's what the Father will do. Amazing. The trust that sustains us, coupled with God's power, will be rewarded mightily in the last time when final salvation is revealed. So keep trusting. And notice he says, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, that's when it happens. I mean, talk, talk about an encouragement to a suffering church. An encouragement to a suffering body of Christ. We might not ever know His purpose for why we are suffering. You may not ever know the purpose for your griefs. But keep trusting. Have that eternal perspective and keep up that joy. And notice what He says here in verse 8. Jesus Christ, though you have not seen Him, who not seen you love him. Although Peter's readers had not seen Jesus, they love Jesus. Although you do not see him now, but because you trust him, because you're resting in Jesus Christ, notice how that applies to us as well. I mean, we, we, we have not seen him. We're not presently seeing Jesus here. Is he presently here with us physical in physical form? No, he's not. We've not seen him in the past or the present. And yet we love him. And yet we trust him. See, there's trust, love and trust is being uh, used as synonyms here together. So when you're loving, you're trusting. When you're trusting, you're loving. When you're trusting, you're loving. When you're loving, you're trusting. And he says, though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you don't see him now, but because you're believing in him, nor does he say, you greatly rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. We Rejoice with inexpressible, glorious joy. That word there, which probably in your Bibles might be full of glory. You see that? When he says full of glory. It's actually one word in the Greek. And, and, and Peter uses this word to add passion to our joy. To, to give you even more oomph to your oomph. Like you can do that. How do you give more oomph to your oomph? That's how Peter does it here. He gives more joy to your joy by saying your joy is inexpressible. You can't even express it with words and it's just glorious. The fact that we will one day be able to see our Savior is most definitely a cause for us to have glorious and expressible joy, right? I mean, Kali. That's why the people think you're weird. 
That's why they think we're odd. Because this is our perspective. We have an eternal perspective. We're trusting God. We have joy in what's content. You have joy in the midst of your suffering? It's crazy. Yeah. It is. But it's so joyful. The only way the only way we can have inexpressible, glorious joy in the midst of our sorrows and sufferings is when we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and the time when suffering will finally come to an end. We, we have such joy because of Jesus and the victory to come. And then, and then notice what he says. Verse 9. Obtaining... So they're rejoicing now because of the salvation to come. Obtaining the final result, result or the final outcome of our trust. What is the final outcome? The final result of trusting Jesus? The salvation of our souls. Or our entire person. Future salvation will definitely come. And that gives us great cause for rejoicing. It's just not about this life. Suffering will, will, will come to an end. It feels like it's forever. It feels like it won't end. It feels like it happens moment after moment and it's going to be for an eternity. But Peter is saying... The final results of your faith, of your trust, will be the salvation of your souls. It will end. You have to have this eternal perspective. Do you see how this is the only way you can make sense in this life? This is the only way. The goal of our trust is salvation. And you know what? The amazing part is that Jesus had this same mentality as he was going to the cross. We talked about this last, this past Wednesday. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy of redemption, reconciliation, resurrection, exaltation, glorification, consummation. Did I get all the shun words in there for you? It gave him joy. Despising the shame, weeping in the garden, if it's possible, Father, take this cup from me. And yet he had joy because he knew what was going to happen. That's the only way we'll be able to make sense in this life. Even in the midst of great, great suffering. Suffering that you and I will never, ever ever, ever experience. Jesus had joy because he looked to future salvation. Same with us. We look forward to the age to come. So our lives should display this. Our lives should be vastly different. And yet, this outlook, this uh, having these glasses on, this kind of life is lacking in Christians today. We only think about the here and now. 
When suffering comes, we crumble. And we have no joy. And as a matter of fact, not only is there not joy, but then we get angry at God for doing this to us. How does that make sense? This kind of life is lacking in Christians today. Is it lacking in your life today? And, and can, so we're way over here in verse 9. Can I walk us back over here to verse 3? How does it begin? Where does it begin? It begins in the new birth. You have this ability, Christian. It's given to you. The new birth has taken place. How can we be a people who by God's grace are living wise, winsome lives before the unsaved? Who they think we're weirdos? We must have a different outlook on life. Trusting God. Think about eternity. And rejoice because of Jesus and the victory to come. That's the only way. Last Sunday morning, Jameson and Catherine Pals and their three small children were driving from Minneapolis to Colorado. They were going to be missionaries in Japan. They had final preparations to undergo in Colorado. But when they made it to western Nebraska, a semi-truck rear-ended them and killed the whole family. Jameson and Catherine, both 29 years old. They're three-year-old, they're 23-month-old, and they're two-month-old. You, you make sense of that. How do you make sense of that? The world is watching you. They're watching us. I mean, can you imagine the devastation? And they had a memorial service at Bethlehem Baptist Church. John Piper did the service. And the parents of Jameson and Catherine, their trust was strong. Why? Why? Because they have a different outlook. They have a trusting, eternal, joyful outlook. It's the only way it makes sense. And when we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, this is a great segue into the time of celebrating the Lord's Supper together because we're looking to the future. When we partake of the elements, we're partaking of it, we're proclaiming His death until He comes, the hope, the fact that Jesus will return. So we take the elements saying, Jesus, we're waiting for you to come. Right? We're waiting for you to come. Come, Lord Jesus. We're ready. Father, help us. Father, give us grace sufficient, all-sufficient grace 
to trust you. To think eternally. And to have such great joy. If you would, take some time, a few moments, to ponder what we've seen in God's Word. And then we will do our time of giving. And then we'll sing one song in, in preparation for us partaking of the elements together. But do that, just a few moments. Ponder what we've seen in Peter's letter to us this morning. You would please stand as we sing Jesus, thank you. The mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend. The agonies of Perfect Holy One, and crush your son. 
Drank the bitter cup reserved for me Because your blood has washed away our sin Jesus, thank you The Father's wrath completely satisfied Jesus, thank you Once your enemy Now seated at your table Jesus, thank you By your perfect sacrifice I've been brought near Your enemy you've made your friend pouring out the riches of your glorious grace your mercy and your kindness know no end because your blood has washed away my sin Jesus thank you Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Brunt your enemy. Now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Lover of my soul. I want to live for you, O lover of my soul. I want to live for you by your perfect sacrifice. I've been brought. Your enemy, you've made your friend. I'm pouring out the riches of your glorious grace. Your mercy and your kindness know no end. O oh, lover of my soul, I want to live for you, O lover of my soul, I want to live for you, because your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank because your blood has washed away our sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father. 
Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you for once your enemy. Now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Just take a moment and thank Jesus. Thank Jesus that He died for your sin. Thank Jesus that His death was sufficient. Thank the Lord Jesus that all your sin has been washed away. Thank the Lord Jesus that there's total forgiveness and you are reconciled to the Father through Jesus Christ alone. Take a moment and thank Him for that. your enemy now your friend now seated at your table Jesus thank you thank you that all our sins have been washed thank you father you regenerated us thank you spirit that you've changed us we are your people a redeemed sinners and saints at the same time. Thank you. If you would be seated, please. I'll give you some instructions for us as we partake of the Lord's Supper. This is for you who know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him, I encourage you not to partake this. And if you come from a different church, but it's a church of like faith and practice, you've been baptized by immersion, we encourage you to partake the Lord's Supper with us. But also, if you have something against someone, and you've not tried to reconcile with that person, and you still have discord with that person, I encourage you to part, not to partake of the elements, but to go and try to reconcile with that person as best as you can. And then the next time we partake of the Lord's Supper, take that with us. But because we should reconcile with each other, because the gospel, we reconcile with the Father, we can reconcile with each other. If we cannot reconcile with each other, what makes us think that we should be able to be reconciled with God? So take that as an important element when we partake of the elements together. So what I'll do is have you have some time between you and the Lord and then after a few moments I'll have the guys come and they'll pass out the bread to us, okay?
Man, would you come and pass out the bread to us? Thank you so much. Peter says later and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you were healed here's the bread reminds us of Jesus giving his body in our behalf as his people let's take and let's eat Christ also died for sins once for all, just for unjust, in order that he might bring us to God. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us to the Father. Thank you. Your life, your death, your resurrection. It is sufficient. Totally sufficient for us. And there's nothing we can do to add to this or to take it away.
There's nothing that my hands can do to save my guilty soul. I cannot cleanse my filthy stains or make my spirit whole. For nothing but the blood of Christ can all my sins erase. I dare not claim my righteousness, but hide within His grace. Tis Christ who saved me from the depths, God's pardon I've received. I'm washed within His precious blood, my heart is sprinkled clean. I'll praise the God of holiness, of justice, truth, and might, who guides me by His mighty hand to walk within His light. While Satan weaves his shallow lies, God speaks to me in love. Reminding me His only Son Has bought me with His blood And Christ dispels my every doubt Through Him I am redeemed I love because He loved me first I live because He lives So at this time, men, could you come and pass out the juice to us?
But when he had taken some bread, he had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So when we think about the juice, we think about Jesus' blood shed on our behalf. Let's take it together. And thank you, once again, Jesus, that your sacrifice is totally sufficient. And we remember the gospel. When we partake of this, we remember your grace given to us. Your undeserved favor in this gospel truth. Thank you that you love us. Jesus has met all those conditions, Father. Thank you for that. So we stand before you justified. And work in us that we may be a people who are so different if you would take your cups pass them to the middle aisles the guys will come and collect them for us our guy thank you and then we'll sing the last verse to nothing that my hands can do is but a fleeting sigh, a tear within the sea, but you are everlasting Lord, and you've predestined me to leave this fading world behind, not fearing death will come, for then I'll look on Jesus Christ and to his arms I'll run and when I see him face to face what glory that will be to look upon my Savior's scars and know they were for me so help us to have this eternal trusting, joyful perspective outlook in this life because you Father have regenerated us, we have everything we need for it so may we appropriate this grace that's given to us already that we will be a people distinct and different in the midst of the trials of this life because our trust is in the Lord the Lord Jesus Christ and our joy is found in Him. Amen.